If you have a Bible, would you get on over to Joshua chapter 3? Joshua chapter 3. You can go there on the church app as well. We have a Bible on there. Or if you need a Bible of your very own, we have Bibles around the room. And if you don't have one at home, uh, you can just take that home. We'd be really excited for you to have that. Uh, Joshua chapter 3. Last week, we finished up four weeks in this tiny little book, this letter from the Apostle Paul to Philemon. And man, what a, what a great book. So much in there. And just really encouraged by that. And so uh, today and for the next few weeks, we're, we're going to kind of be in between uh, series. And, and I like these, these times because God gives us a little bit of freedom to, to, to just share some stuff that's on our hearts. And I'm excited because this morning I get to share with you a little bit of what uh, God has been putting on the hearts of the elders of the church here. And so just on behalf of the, the, the elder crew here, I'm excited to, to share a little bit. And uh, I just, I really believe that, that God's going to going to share some stuff with us. It's going to be encouraging, helpful, and, and hopefully even kind of give us a little bit of, of direction. And so uh, I'm going to call this sermon, Get Your Feet Wet. You like that? So look to the person beside you and say, get your feet wet. Go for it. Ready? Get your feet wet. Get your feet wet. Okay, that's what we're going to do this morning, talk about getting our feet wet. And so uh, here's how I want to open up this morning. I want to open up with a trivia question. You ready? Here's a trivia question for you. Uh, the question is this, what do these people have in common? You ready? What do they have in common? Carl Douglas, Grover Washington Jr., Bill Medley, and Joan Osborne. Like, I have no idea who these people are, and that's my point exactly, right? Here's what they all have in common, is that they're all one-hit wonders, right? They're all musicians, they're all one-hit wonders, and and so uh, here's what they're known for. Carl Douglas, Kung Fu Fighting. Grover Washington Jr., just the two of us. You like that song? Uh, Bill Medley, uh, I've had the time of my life, and I owe it a classic prom song right there. And uh, Joan Osborne, what if God was one of us? Just a stranger on the bus trying to make his, you know, okay, yeah, one-hit wonders. And uh, I feel bad for one-hit wonders, do you? Just they get the one song, and, and that generally is it. And then, and then what after that? Maybe an episode or a season of Dancing with the Stars, if you last that long. I mean, it's just, I feel really bad for them. And, and my thoughts are, if you're an artist and you're trying to secure your financial future, just here's some free stuff on the side, not biblical at all. But my thoughts are, uh, make a Christmas song, because you know how those, they just get put on repeat every single year, and so you can just kind of cash in that way. Or you can make a song that has the name of a city or a state in it. And then people love those, right? I mean, they get played at sporting events and at civic events and, and parades. And so some of those, uh, of course, Dropkick Murphys, I'm shipping up to Boston. Uh, Leonard Skinner, Sweet Home Alabama. Not a one-hit wonder, but a great song. Uh, Springsteen, Streets of Philadelphia is a classic. Uh, Elvis, of course, Viva Las Vegas. And then Kevin's personal favorite by NWA, Straight out of Compton, right? And so you just have to... You just have to put a city in there. You have, to put a, you have to put a state or a city in there, and that's how you're going to do it. But here's, here's where I'm going with all this. Where is he going with all this? My, my fear for us as both individuals and for us even as a church is that we would be a one-hit wonder. That, that would be my fear, that, that you had a season of life where there was, there was great faith and you saw God do uh, incredible things, extraordinary things, and your relationship with him was vibrant and he was moving in some really great ways, but it just kind of fizzles out. 
And I don't think that fear is unfounded. Uh, I, I can recall many instances as I think back through people I've, I've known and, and loved where, where there are people who had tremendous faith, tremendous growth in the Lord. A lot of them especially around uh, the college season of their lives. And they saw many God stories. But as they graduated, as they kind of settled into career life, that kind of becomes the norm. That kind of becomes the most important thing in your life. And, and, and faith can kind of get pushed to the back seat. And, and as a college student or as a, as a young adult, we tend to be a little bit more risky, right? We, we kind of do crazy, goofy things. And we've got plans and dreams to, to conquer the world. And then we start to become a little bit more realistic. And as we grow older, we, we like to take less risk, kind of mirroring our, our financial investments. We're a little more risky when we're younger. And as we get older, nearing retirement, a little, little less risk. And I remember when I was a, a young adult wrestling through college, I uh, in my home state where I grew up, I had a full scholarship to college there. I could do that, just a full ride. I was, I was all set there. But I really felt the Lord leading me to go to college out of state in this particular college. And, and uh, it was going to cost me, though. And it was money that I just did not have, knowing I was going into pastoral ministries. I was going to be making a lot of money, not at all. And so uh, I, I just didn't want to bury myself in loans. And so uh, I, I was preparing, okay, if this is what God wants me to do, how do I get there? And what I ended up doing is I worked three jobs in the summertime in order to pay for the first semester of each of the four years. And then I worked through school on top of that an additional 30 to 40 hours while in school to pay on a deferred payment plan for uh, second semester. And I worked first and second semester. And I remember uh, one particular uh, tuition payment that came my way, and it was $847. And I'm telling you, that I was like astronomical. It was impossible to pay $847. I just did not have it. And uh, I got into a minor fender bender that was not my fault. And uh, my car was a beat-up old Nissan Sentra, so I, I didn't really, you know, I didn't, wasn't going to do me any favors by getting it fixed up all that much. And so uh, I remember the insurance check came in, and guess how much that insurance check was for? 847 stinking dollars. And at this point in my life, at this point in my faith, God might as well had parted the Atlantic Ocean for me. It was incredible. I mean, to the dollar, I was, I was blown away. And, and I was ready to, to just trust God with anything and everything. But here's what happens is, is as we grow older, the, the temptation is less risk, less faith, more security. And my Faith in my God moment could have easily just kind of been a one-hit wonder. Now, that's, that's us as individuals, and I can also think about how this kind of plays out in the, in the life of churches as well. I could, I could point you to church after church after church who saw God do tremendous things early on in their history, but eventually they kind of settle in, they stop taking risks, they stop pursuing God-sized vision, and, and they just kind of take the next easy organizational step, the next easy uh, you know, ministry step and corporate move, and what often happens is because of that they plateau and they decline. What we've seen God do in our church has just been really extraordinary. Just reflecting back on some of these, I'll never forget the very first person coming to faith in Jesus when we started the church and just how incredible that was and how we, we celebrated. It was just amazing. We were, we were thrilled by that. I'll never forget our very first baptism celebration, uh, Malibu Beach in Dorchester, right? You're like, we baptized people there? Yeah, we did. And I'll tell you really quick, uh, we had a baptism there 
and uh, we got all these, we probably had 40 or so people at the beach, windy day, had two people being baptized, and we were psyched out of our minds. We were so excited, and uh, down the way, there was a lifeguard, and nobody's in the water because you don't swim there, right? And you just play volleyball and just take your shirt off if you're a guy, and so that's kind of what you do, and uh, we were there, and I noticed the lifeguard raises a red flag, and I think, Oh, well, that's not good. <laughs> so I went up and said, hey, what's the red flag about? And he says, well, every so often we, you know, test the waters, and uh, you don't want to swim in that. <laughs> you might, you know, might grow a second head or something. And so I'm like, okay, well, and then I had to explain to him what baptism was, because he grew up Catholic. He didn't know that why would you dunk people, and so I explained that to him. And uh, he goes, okay, well, just tell them not to open their mouth and, and, <laughs> and get out of the water really quick. I'm like, Okay, so baptism has nothing to do with washing your sin away. has everything to do with the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. So that's where we're going to go with it. And so we did it really quick. And, and so I just remember that first baptism was just absolutely uh, in- incredible. I remember also when we started praying for, for free office space. God just laid it on our heart to pray for free office space. In the city, it's crazy. And we did. And uh, man, I'll never forget when um, the low-income housing development that we, we served so faithfully with I came out to us and said, we just, we love what you're doing here, but we also see that you're adopting more housing developments. What do we have to do to ensure that you won't leave us? And I said, listen, we're not going to leave you, but since you're asking, uh, got any office space? And they, we, we've been there ever since, and just beautiful uh, facility, just, just really excited about, about that opportunity. It was blowing our minds right at that point in, in the life of our church, how God answered so specifically. Another thing we've done through the years is we've We've just been really specific in our prayers because we believe that if you pray specifically, you can see specific answers to prayer and be specifically encouraged, and then you can specifically praise. But a lot of times we pray these general prayers like, God bless us, and then we, when we get blessed, we don't know that we got blessed, you know what I mean? So we don't know how to praise him. We don't actually know if there was an answer to prayer or not because I'm, I'm breathing, so I guess I'm blessed, right? But, but we, we said, let's pray specifically. And so we've done that every single year as a church. I remember the, the first year we said, we're going to pray specifically for community engagement, that we would have opportunities to engage in the community. And God, just by his grace, gave us great partnership with Rosnell Village Main Street Association, a community redevelopment uh, organization and been able to serve alongside of them. God gave us these low-income housing developments that we could we could work with. And, and then I remember uh, year two, uh, just started praying specifically for young families. We just had a lot of like young adult, young singles uh, in the church, and, and we love love that age bracket. We said, but that we want to we want to kind of run the spectrum. So we started praying for for young families. And my word, how the Lord has just answered that has just been incredible. I mean. Couples get pregnant by just walking through the front doors. It's like, I don't even know. And it's, it's this crazy miracle, right? And, and so that was amazing. And then I remember uh, one particular year we said, we're going to pray for diversity, right? Like our, our community is one of, statistically speaking, one of the most ethnically diverse uh, communities in the city of Boston. And yet we don't see any churches that really reflect that. And, and what, if, what if we could be that, right? And so we started praying, God, would you, do you cause us to be diverse uh, ethnically, culturally, uh, generationally, socioeconomically? And just started praying, looking in the course of the year, how, how things just changed. And one year was amazing. God just, just answered. He just answered. And last year, we said, we're gonna, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray everyone reach one. We're going to pray that everyone reaches one. And we saw 30 people give their lives to Jesus. And it was just amazing how God does that. And we said, with everyone reach one, we also mean that we're going to reach a new community. And God said, okay, 
not only are you going to reach one new community, you're going to reach two new communities. And, and so we sent Ryan out to, to replant the church on the North Shore. And now we've got the Mangrum family here to prepare to plant on the east side of the city. And it's amazing how, how God's just been so faithful. We've seen God do so many incredible things in the midst of our, our church. But yet, as a church grows up, the temptation can be less risk, less faith, more security, and start, fo- we've got people now, so let's just focus inward and our faith and those God moments that we saw kind of just become like, that was a, a season, that was a one-hit wonder season for us. And so I want to think about as individuals and, and, and corporately as the body of, of, of Jesus here on this side of the city, how do we move past that? How do we move past that? And so uh, Joshua chapter 3, uh, this, is, this is where the people of God are at as well, Israel. They're, they're kind of at a, at a similar place. They've seen God do incredible things in their midst. Uh, they, they had uh, just generations of slavery in Egypt. God raises up, you know the story, a man named Moses to deliver them, let my people go, the, the whole deal. And, and by just a series of miracles, God miraculously brings them out of Egypt by bringing plagues upon these wicked people who were oppressing them and, and, and causing them to be slaves and, and beating them. And, and eventually, uh, Pharaoh says, go, get out of here. And, and they leave and they take off. And, and they're, they're coming along and then they face this sea. They face the, the Red Sea there. Uh, but in Exodus chapter 14, you read that, that they're, they're up against the mighty Red Sea. And Pharaoh, king of Egypt at the time, Changes his mind. Says, no, I don't, I don't want to. Let's go after them. And so he, he mounts his chariot. He summons his army. And he chases them down. And now they're looking back. And they've got Pharaoh and his army behind them. And they've got the, the Red Sea in, in front of them. And, and the people of God ask Moses. They say, Moses, why did you bring us out here? Just to die? Was there not enough, were there not enough graves back in Egypt? You're just going to let us die here? But then God speaks to Moses, and God says to Moses, he says, Moses, lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide it. You know the story, the great miracle, the most famous miracles of all time. The people get to part, walk through a parted sea. And then they get to the other side while the army is pursuing them into the sea. And they're running across the sea. They realize that, that their God is for them and he will protect them. And they start to turn back, but it was too late. And the sea collapses on top of them and the wicked Egyptians are gone. An incredible miracle. Can you even begin to imagine what that would have been like? I mean, I would never forget that. I would never doubt God again, right? Oh, but they do. And maybe in your life you've had some moments, like my $847 check. You've had those moments where it was, God was so faithful. He was so real. His provision, his power was undeniable. Maybe it was the day that, that he got a hold of your heart and there was just a season of, wow, it just, it's undeniable who God is and what he's doing. And that was your God moment. That was your, your, your God moment. And in the next chapter, Exodus 15, Moses sings a song. And he, he, he celebrates God work, his, God's work. And this song gets recorded for us to commemorate God's work so that we can see and we can read it and we can know about the faithfulness of God. And so we do that, right? We, we want to celebrate, we want to commemorate, and we want to mark moments where God has been faithful. We'll do a lot of that around here. But, but here in, in Joshua chapter 3, uh, years later now, few decades later in Joshua chapter 3, the, the people of God are once again 
up against another body of water. This time it's the Jordan River. And the Jordan River, just for a frame of reference, is also the river that later on Jesus will be baptized in. And Elijah does miracle there as well. And, and, and we think Jordan River, if you know anything about modern day geography, you kind of think, yeah, no big deal. It, National Geographic said that uh, the, the waters are, are just drastically receding. And they, they even blame it on the, the, the Syrian refugee crisis because the, the powers that be have to focus on the people and they can't focus on the, the kind of the situation uh, of the environment, and, and so it's just kind of not a big deal today. But back then, it was, it was a pretty big deal. But even still, it wasn't like, it wasn't the, the Red Sea by any stretch. It was uh, 90 to 100 feet wide. That's about a third of a football field, for, for reference, since we're still flying high off of last Sunday. And, and it was only 3 to 10 feet deep across and and yet I guess that's still tough right considering to you you have men and women and children and you have your stuff and you're bringing the the tabernacle the mobile temple at that point because they hadn't built the temple yet you're bringing all this stuff across and 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 you're going across and 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 yet we read in verse 15 of Joshua chapter 3 that the the river is now overflowing its bank because it's the time of harvest so here's what that means it's it's march it's it's april it's the time of harvest and the the spring rains have come and the snow is melting off of mount hermon and so the water is at this point really flowing and at this point uh, rushing and it's it's flowing over and so it's much bigger than than certainly today but even just normal uh rest of the year for them then the river has swelled and it's just very, very daunting for them. And so here they are against another daunting body of water. And here's the thing. In the, in the eyes of ancient people, water was really the most powerful force that you could imagine. And so we see all these water miracles in the Bible. I think God is trying to show them that I have power over. I am sovereign over even the most powerful force that you can imagine. And, and for them, if you could control the water, you had to be God. And so God was constantly showing them, I have power over the water. And, and so God is with them. And if God is with us, what's the scripture say? Who can be, who can be against us, right? And listen, as God's people, even today, that same God over the waters is, is, is for us, should you trust in his son Jesus, the provision that he has made for you to be made right with him. And so they're facing this body of water, and, and yet it's been a long time since they have seen public miracles from God. Yes, personally, they have seen some miracles from God. If you look through between the two bodies of water in the wilderness, they, they've seen God turn really bitter water to, to sweet water where it was drinkable. Uh, they, they needed food and God every day gave them manna or bread flakes from heaven that they could, could bring together and they could eat. He gave them his law on Mount Sinai. And, and so God has, has done some miracles, but more personal miracles. You know, nothing that, that went global as the, the parting of the, the sea did. And so God had been doing his work inwardly, but it's been a long time since they've seen this very loud, big, massive manifestation of the power of God that, that kind of went global. And, and maybe some of you are kind of there right now. It's like, yeah, yeah, if I, if I looked, I could say, okay, God's done this, and God's done this, and God's done this, and he's put food on my table, and, and I'm not living on the streets. And so, yeah, God's, God's got me, but I don't know. It's just been a while since I've really seen God do something. And maybe you're there. You're, you're in between the miracles. You're in between the big God 
moments. Now let's read Joshua chapter 3, and I just want to give us a few observations. Joshua chapter 3, we're going to read the whole chapter here, so hang in with me, all right? Here's what it says. It says, so they're, they're facing the sea, then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim, and they came to the Jordan, and he and the people of, all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priest, you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. That's about half a mile. And so when it gets half a mile ahead, that's, that should be the distance. That, that tells you how wide these people, how many people, they had to get half a mile ahead for all of them to be able to see that thing uh, get ahead. 2,000 cubits. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. And then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. The Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel. Because Moses had just passed on, and so now they have a new leader. He's going to be exalted before all the people. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, here is how you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will fail, he without fail will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore take twelve men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing. And the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. And so when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. The waters coming down from above stood up, or stood and rose up in a heap very far away, at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan. And those flowing down toward the sea of the Arabah, the salt sea, were completely cut off, and the people passed opposite Jericho, over opposite Jericho. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished, finished passing over the Jordan." It's a lot of, lot of words there, but that's an amazing, amazing miracle of God. This time the seat's not parted, it's the river is, is heaped up onto one side until the rest of the water goes down and they get to pass on dry ground. And, and we could easily hear that and say, cool, gotcha. Another great miracle of, of God without making some really practical application because there's, some, some, there's just some gems in here. Uh, and, and so I want to to kind of unearth some of these things uh, because I, I think we all need to be constantly trying to ready our heart for, for greater things and, and, and never settle with, okay, we saw God do some good stuff then. 
We want to keep seeing God do more things, ready ourselves for more miracles. And there's so much in here for us as individuals and for us as, as a church. And I don't believe that there's any kind of formula for God's miracles. Please don't ever hear me say that. There's no formula. If you do this, this, and this, then God will give you a miracle. Then God will heal you. Then God will give you the money you need. There's no formula here. But here's what I do see. As we read through Scripture, there are some common actions that people take when they see God move throughout the Bible. And here's the the first action. If you're a note taker, I'm just going to give you three this morning. To be ready for more miracles, the first action is, is consecrate yourself. Specifically, consecrate yourselves, all of us together. Because God deals with his people as a people and not just as individuals. Consecrate yourselves. And and, and in verse 5, Joshua says, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. If you want to expect wonders among you tomorrow, you've got to prepare your heart today. And this is a passage I memorized as a young guy and I repeated over and over and over again in my life and, and in my, my actions. And, and to consecrate means to set yourself apart, to prepare yourself, to, to, to ready yourself. For them, this would have meant uh, ceremonial washing. It would have also meant for them temporarily abstaining from sexual relations according to the Mosaic law. And, and, and then they were to also, as we read here, to wait for the Ark of the Covenant to pass by them, and then they could follow when it got half a mile ahead. And the, the Ark of the Covenant, if you don't know anything about it, was this box that, that God had instructed them uh, in the law to, to build, and, and then to, it was made of acacia wood, and then they were to cover it with, with gold, and, and they would have two poles on either side for them to carefully carry the Ark around, and inside of it were the stone tablets of the Ten Commandments, and, and then on top of the Ark, the lid of the Ark of the Covenant was what was called the Mercy Seat, and it had these two angelic beings on top called cherubim, and their, their wings would touch, and the way their, their wings touch right there in the middle, that's that's the mercy seat. And the high priest would annually, on the Day of Atonement, atone for the sins of all the nation. The high priest would go in with a, basically a rope on his leg in case he, he was, went in wicked and with a bad heart and died. They could pull him out because they took serious the presence of God. And so the high priest would go in and with an animal sacrifice would atone for the sin of all the people. This is very much an image for us of what Jesus does by dying and taking on the sins of of the world, those of us who would trust in him. It's just this beautiful thing that, that took place then and a prophetic picture of Jesus. And, and the ark would go with them on these, these uh, really everywhere they went while they're wandering the wilderness. And, and then they would set up the, the tent or the tabernacle, the mobile temple before the temple was erected, and they would bring it into the most holy place right in the, right in the center. And, and the ark really represented the presence of God with his people. And so here's what that means for them, and here's what it means for us. When he says, you're going to wait, you're going to consecrate yourself, you're going to ready yourself, and you're going to wait for the ark to pass. For us, here's what that means. It means that we, as God's people, we need the presence of God. We, as God's people, have to constantly be seeking the presence of God. Not that the presence of God is this elusive thing that comes and goes. When, when, when we follow Jesus, his, his presence is within us. His spirit is within us. But we want to see greater manifestation of the, the power of God. We want to set ourselves apart and say, God, would you pour out your spirit in more powerful 
ways. God, we beg you to move. We want to see your power. We want to see your, your presence. And as you get into the New Testament, that's what New Testament Christians did, right? You see it over and over. Right before God moves in a powerful way in the book of Acts, you go back before that and you see them praying for boldness. And God's power and his presence is unleashed on them. And then they go and amazing things happen. And so let me ask you this. Is are you readying your heart for God to move? I want God to move. Well, are you doing some things to get your heart ready for God to move? Are you consecrating yourself? Are you, are you praying, God, please move? Are you seeking his face? Are you begging him? I'm desperately not, God, take this day. Give you this day. And then later, now I lay me down to sleep. God, now are you begging? God, please move. That's what we have to do as individuals. It might look like prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Fasting is not commanded of us as Christians, but it, it's clearly set out as an example for, for followers of Jesus to, to fast, to, to, to cease doing something, to focus more intensely. It catalyzes our, our prayer life and come before the Lord. And, and God, I, I just commit this to you. I don't know, we, I don't, some of us, we don't even know what that is, but God, I just want to see your power. Consecrate yourself. Ready yourself. And as they ceremonially wash themselves, for us, that means we're, we're, we're confessing our sins to God. God, show me if there's any wicked way in me. I want to deal with my sin. And, and so consecrate yourself. First thing we've got to do before we see the wonders that are to be among us, as he says. Second thing I want to throw out to us that we observe here, the next action is a very real action, tangible action, and that is to step in. To, to step in. They, they stepped into the water. Now, compare that to the previous body of water miracle that we saw at the Red Sea. At the Red Sea, what did Moses do? He stretches out his staff. He stretches out his hand. The water parts, they go through. At the Jordan River, what does he say to do? He says, let the ark go before you, the presence of God before you, and then, guys, priests, leaders, I want you to, I want you to step in. I want you to actually get in the water. I want you to get your feet wet. And maybe today, before the miracle, God is calling you to get your feet wet. Maybe before the miracle, God is calling you to, to get your feet wet. Remember, the banks are overflowing. And so this is not, oh yeah, cute little Jordan River. The banks are overflowing. The water is rushing. And it's not just get your tiptoes in the, in the, the water there. Jump into this thing. Get your feet wet. Step in. Step in. Step in. And so let me ask you, have you shown God any evidence at all of your faith? Have you shown God any evidence of your expectation that he is going to work? Because that's what he wants. That's what he called for for them is show me that you're expecting. Show me that you believe. I mean, I can, I can move through people who are not expecting anything. The Apostle Paul, right? He's out. On his way to kill more Christians, God blinds him. He says, but listen, I want, I want you to show me some evidence of, of your, your faith. There's one body of water, the Red Sea. And that body of water was parted after a hundred years of not really seeing much from God for them. They were in oppression. It was rough. Generations passed. 
And so at that point, God says, Moses, just stretch out your hand. I'm going to show them my power. But the second body of water, they have seen some things at this point. They have seen God prove faithful. They have every reason to believe. And God says, I want to see action. I want to see you act upon your, your faith. You have every reason to step in the water. Here's how we differentiate one-hit wonders in faith and frequent chart toppers in faith. And that is a willingness to step in. A willingness to step out in faith time after time after time again. Not just living off of some past miracle, but saying, no, I'm expecting God for more miracles. So I'm going to put myself in positions over and over and over again where if God doesn't show up, I'm going to fall flat on my face. I'm going to put myself in some uncomfortable positions where if God doesn't show up, I just might look like a fool. But if you believe God and if you trust God, you'll put yourself willingly in some uncomfortable positions. Think through it with me biblically. Noah, what did he do? Built a boat. People mocked him. What are you doing? This is ridiculous. You're wasting your life. You're building this. What are... They mocked him until they couldn't mock anymore. How about the, the, the famous miracle uh, of Elijah with the, the, the altar to Baal and his false prophets to this false god and, and they're cutting themselves and praying, please, please send fire down to, to light the altar and, and it didn't happen. And, and, and Elijah says, my God is going to show up. And, and so he didn't have to do all that crazy stuff. He, he, he built the altar. And then what did he do? He said, I want you to take water and I want you to pour water on the altar. More water, more water. More water. Soak the altar. So, now here's how I've heard this, this preached. Here's how I've heard that, that passage preached. The altar was wet, y'all. I mean, it was wet, man. It was wet. And then, then fire. Listen, if fire falls from heaven, I don't care if the altar was wet or not. Fire just stinking fell from heaven. That's amazing, right? They're not going to go, wow, I, I would have been impressed if it was wet. But <laughs> since it wasn't wet, what's the point of the water? The point of the water is not that the altar was wet. Wow. The point of the water was, listen, they were living in a drought. And he said, you have no water, but if you got anything, bring it. And more. And he kept saying, dump it out. Come on, dump it out. Dump it out. Dump it. You trust God? Dump it out. Dump it out. And then the fire fell from heaven. You go on the miracle of Jesus feeding 5,000. Little bro- boy brought his food. I got this. You can just go on through scripture and God's saying, step in, show me. Show me you believe. I can do it even without belief, but I think oftentimes what we see is when you have every reason to believe, God says, I want to see evidence of your faith. God says, God says, step in, step out. Show me your faith. Did I bring plagues? Did I part the sea? Step in. And they did. And when they stepped in, what happened? The water heaps up on one side and dry ground. And they crossed. Incredible. Some of us have to step in first. We've got to trust. That's what faith is. Can I point out one more thing? We didn't read the next chapter, Joshua chapter 4. I'm going to give that to you as homework. Consecrate yourself, step in, and then after God moves, Joshua chapter 4, the water heaps up, 
We mark moments. To earmark these, these, these moments. Chapter 4, we read chapter 4 and God moves. And then here's what he says. He says, okay, you're on the other side now. I want you to send back one man from each tribe. I want them to go in the dry river here. And I want them to get a stone, bring it up on their shoulders, and come over here. And on the other side, I want you to erect a monument. Twelve stones, twelve tribes. You get it. Twelve disciples, twelve apostles. You get it, right? Erect this monument. And this monument is going to be a memorial to what God has done. These monuments are going to be there for you to come back and, and see this thing and say, wow, I remember what God did. He says, another generation from now, you can bring your children back to the monument and say, look, look what God has done. God has been faithful. God has been good. These monuments appear frequently in the Old Testament. We call them matzavats. Here's what a matzavat is. It's, it means in the original language to guard, to protect, and to bear witness to. And so these matzavats, they, they guarded the legacy. They protect the legacy. They, they, they bore witness to God is good. God is faithful. God showed up. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. God was there. I remember. Because there's going to be seasons in your life where it's going to be easy to forget that God did show up. God is faithful. God is strong. God is powerful. And so they then get into battle and it gets really, it gets really tough. But they can come back. In fact, what we, we're going to do in a, a couple weeks here is we talked about this 100 party. We're setting it up to be a bit of a matzavah, a, 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 a monument, a memorial in the, the calendar of our church to remember God is faithful. God saved 100 people. and We're going to celebrate that and we're going to anticipate 100 more. And when you have these markers in your life, it's easy to keep going to the next, to the next, because you can look back and say, yep, 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 God's faithful. And so we have to set these things up. We have to mark these moments. Don't forget it. Don't forget what God has done. The Bible is a matzavat. We have the Bible where we can go back and say, yep, yep, yep. All these stories of the faithfulness of the goodness of God. Baptism is a matzavat. Baptism is there for us to, to say, I remember when I gave my life to Jesus and I, I showed people and the people see it and they get to hold me accountable to I'm saying I'm following Jesus, I'm walking with Jesus. That's a matzavah. Communion is a matzavah. When we come and we partake of the, the bread and the, 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 the wine, what, what it is is a picture of, of, of what Jesus has done and it reminds us of the cross. It's a matzavah. It's a backward look to the cross and a forward look to his coming again. He says, remember and then proclaim till he comes again. It's a matzavah. Maybe, maybe journaling for some of us is a matzavah. I, I go back to a few things. When we first started this church, when it was hard, 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 and I had to go back to, to previous days when I remember, no, God told us to do this. And we can remember, God, God's in this, right? Maybe, maybe for you it's a photo, right? I have this photo on my desk, and it's a bit of a matzavah. It's just of our five-year anniversary as a church. And this room was full and just amazing. Looking at that photo, I was just so encouraged by that. It's a matzavah. Don't forget. Don't forget. This is what we as God's people need to do in order not to be a one-hit wonder, in order to see greater things to come in the future so that our faith doesn't fizzle out, that we keep seeing our faith 
grow. We have to consecrate ourselves. That is constantly focusing on, 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 on God, I, I give myself to you. I want to give you my heart. I want to ready myself for you. I want to confess my sin. I want to seek your face and beg for more because I know you've got more to offer. I, I know you want to do greater things than what I've already seen. We've got to consecrate ourselves. We've got to step in. Some of us, we have got to step into some stuff. We've got to step out in faith and show God, I'm serious. I believe you. And then, when should God move? Make these markers so that we can encourage our hearts and we can encourage future generations and people around us. God has been faithful. So here's how we close today. Two ways, as individuals and as a church. I want to talk to us as individuals for just a moment. Are you consecrating yourself? I mean, every day are you consecrating yourself and setting your your heart apart and saying, God, please move. God, I commit my day to you. I've got some tasks before me. God, I don't want this to be another mundane day. God, I, I, you're praying to him. You're, you're dealing with sin. You're, you're opening a scripture. You're spending time with him in, in prayer. Consecrate yourself. Through certain seasons, consecrate yourself. We, we have special times of prayer for our children. Right around their birthdays, we're praying really especially hard for our children and, and consecrating them to the Lord. Right? Consecrate yourselves. And the next one is, how are you going to step in? Maybe God has, has put some stuff before you, some stuff that you're dreaming about. And, and what is a step that you can take to, to say, God, I'm serious. God, I believe you. Here's the water. Right, here's my, my tangible step that I trust you. And then after God moves, we set up matzavats. We mark the, we mark the moment. And, and so, listen, some of you today, the way that God's calling you to do this perhaps, is to, to set your heart apart for him. Maybe some of you today have never given your life to Jesus. I want to call you to that. Jesus is God in the flesh. God became a man, walked this earth, completely perfect, sinless, undeserving of the wage, the result of sin, which is death. And yet he died. He laid down his life on the cross as our substitution. And then he came back to life, defeating sin and death for us. And if you trust in him, you take a tangible step of faith and say, yes, I'm giving you my life. You can be his child. You can be brought into his family. I would call some of you to that today. The cross is the greatest matzavat of all time. We wear them around our neck. Some people tattoo them on their body. See them in images. But it's not just a great little relic. It's a matzavat. It's a reminder of what God has done because of his love for you. Perhaps some of you today need to step out in that way and give your life to Jesus. And as we pray, I'd call you to that. Perhaps others of you, God is bringing some very specific things to your heart, to your mind. And I want to call you to that. We respond as, as individuals. But then lastly, I, I want to I call us as a church to, to respond corporately as well. I want to call us as a, as a church to, to, to expect the next thing. Expect wonders among us, as Joshua said to the people of Israel. I've shared some stories of how God has moved, but we deeply believe that the best days are ahead. We're about to celebrate 100, but we're anticipating 100 more and 100 more and 100 more. Do you believe that? We, we believe that. We believe that. And so here's what we do as a church. Here's how we respond. One, we consecrate. Every year we have an annual prayer focus, and this year's annual prayer focus is facility. And we, we, we don't just 
throw out just random things. Let's, why don't we just pray for this? We pray about what we're going to pray about as a church collectively. And God really laid on our hearts. We've we got to spend this year praying about a facility. We've got to spend this year trusting and begging God and, and setting ourselves apart. And God, d- do your work. With, clean us up. Show us what's going on in our hearts so that we can be ready. And so, God, we're, we're consecrating. We're giving this to you. God, we, we believe that, that, that we need a, a beacon of light in this community. A, a physical infrastructure, and so we're praying for that. And so, listen, we announced that to our, our, our church members as a, at the family meeting a while back, and, and I just want to publicly give it to all of us. Let's jump in, and let's pray. Let's consecrate ourselves, and let's commit to God a facility. God, would you give us a facility? Would you guys join us in, in praying, re- I mean, daily for that? Mark your calendars, that alarms on your phone, uh, in your prayer, or whatever you got, be praying hard. That God would give us a facility, and we're, we're going to pray. But we're also going to show God that, that we, we believe that he can do it. And so we're going we're gonna to step in. And I wish I could stand up here and say, and so here's the building, and we're going for it. I wish I could stand up here and say, here's the building, and, 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 and we just got to raise the money. And we're not doing that either. We're not launching a capital campaign or anything. But here's, here is what we're going to do as a church. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to step in in this way. Is, is we're going to say, God... We're given. We're going we're gonna to step out in faith, and we're going to step in. And, and here's what that looks like for us as a church. We are now going to start a, a building fund as a church. And so as a church, what we're doing is, is you can notice even today, if you have the app on your phone, you can go right to the app, and under the giving, there's some drop-downs of ways that you can give. Under the regular tithe and offering that we do every single week here to, to, to meet the needs of the ministry here and, and globally that we're involved with, the next step down there is going to be building fund. And so if you want to give and say, I, I'm going to step out and trust and, and just above and beyond what, what I'm already giving to the, the ministry of the church to keep this church growing and going and reaching and connecting people to Christ, maybe God lay lays it on your heart to jump in and to give something specifically to the building fund. And again, it's not a capital campaign. We don't have a building. <laughs> we, don't, we, don't have, we don't have a space that we're ready to do anything with. But what we are saying is we want to be ready for when it comes. We're going to step in and say, God, I'm going to step into this and see what you do. See if you heap something up and part some waters. We're going to trust you, God. And so that's available on the app if you want to give or you give online. Another way you can give is, is next week we're going to make available envelopes that just say building funds specifically that you can give to. I'd love to encourage you in that. We're not going to, again, we're not going to have the thermostat thermometer up here and, and do the little game. We're not doing that. All we're doing is saying we're, we're going to put this out here. And maybe people want to jump in and, and be a part of that. So down the road, we can have a physical infrastructure that will not just be something to house a Sunday morning gathering, but a physical infrastructure where we can bless our community all week long. That's our heart. That's why we're here. It's to be a tangible expression of the love of Jesus. So we're going to consecrate ourselves. We're going to step in. And the, the last thing, we've already talked about this already, is we're going to make up some matzavats. And that's why we are really intentional to celebrate when God moves. And so we've got a matzavah coming in two weeks with a 100 party. And I just want to encourage you, make a point to be here. Arrange your calendar so that you can be here and you can celebrate with us. And we can remember God is faithful. God is good. God is saving people. And that's what we are to be about is the mission of Jesus, the great commission of Jesus. That is to love God, to love people. And then that flows out into how we Go and make disciples of all nations. That's what we're about. 
And so we're going to celebrate the fact that we're seeing people come to know Jesus and anticipate 100 more. So that's, that's how we respond as a church. I just want to throw that before you, just kind of my heart, the elders' hearts to you. And we're excited, anticipating great things from the Lord. And uh, those are just some tangible steps for you to take, to pray through, and to, to move into action. And then again, personally, maybe there's some stuff in your heart you need to deal with. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to close us in prayer. We're going to pray specifically for our hearts as individuals, and then we're going to pray specifically uh, and collectively for what God is going to do with us as a church. And so let's pray. A prayer of faith, prayer of anticipation, and uh, we'll continue on. Father, we love you, and we are so thankful that we can come to you knowing that you hear us because of Jesus. And God, we want so desperately, so desperately to see more of your power unleashed in our lives as individuals. Not just to puff ourselves up, not just for comfort for ourselves, but so that we can make much of you. And so God, as your people, we, we all have different things that are heavy on our hearts. Maybe it's a, a, a person who, who we just want to see him come to know Jesus. And so God, we, we consecrate ourselves as individuals. We're asking that you would would ready us, you would show us our sin, help us to, to be pure and, and cleanse our hearts by, by, by trusting in Jesus and, and, and just committing our, our cares and our burdens and our junk on you. God, then we're going to step in and pray for people that you'd be putting specific things in their hearts as to how they can step in, step out in faith. Maybe that's have the conversation. Just see what you do. Give them that boldness. Maybe it's give for the first time, even though it's tough and tight. See what you do. Maybe it's in the relationship that you shouldn't be in. But I'm going to trust God and see what he does. Whatever it is that that we need to do, the way we need to step out in faith, God, I pray that you would help us and you would direct us. And then, God, lastly, we will celebrate and remember your grace to us to give you glory and to encourage our hearts and to point other people to you. So show us how how to respond, God, as individuals. I pray for people who need to come to know Jesus as well. May they just in in their own heart pray to God, I give you my heart. I trust in you. I turn from independence and I turn to total dependence on you and your work on the cross for me. And God, we pray as a church that, that you would allow us to see greater things, allow us to see wonders done among us over and over and over again, that we would keep trusting, our faith wouldn't fizzle out, that we would believe that God is able, God can, and God will, and will step out in faith. God, do your work in our midst and be honored as we respond to you, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.